We thank you for reading our scripture in Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. And I said that our theme verse was that. Our theme is go forth. And so I'm going to read Matthew again. But this time I'm going to read it from the message, which is a paraphrase. And it says, Jesus undeterred went right ahead and gave this charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life, making them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I've commanded you, and I'll be with you as you do this, after day after day after day, right up until the end of the age. Now, if you guys have your own Bibles, sometimes they'll have little subheadings under right over that scripture, they have a specific title that they often give that passage. The Great Commission, or the Commission, Ascending Forth, right? And that is what we'll spend these next few weeks looking at. Ascending Forth. Go forth. In those three verses, we find things about how to live out our faith, and to put that faith into action. We sang that song earlier about being soldiers. Onward to the conquest, right? Now, some of you guys are new to the army and you may be wondering why there's an overwhelming presence of people wearing polyester blue. You may not know this. But that song is called The Soldier's Hymn because the Salvation Army calls its church members, those who join the church, soldiers. We have senior soldiers, which are the adults, and we have junior soldiers, which are our younger ones. And in fact, we have one who just finished his lessons. He's very excited. He raced up to tell me this morning that he's finished with them and he's ready. We call the ministers officers. That's why we have ranks, captain and major. You'll also find some other ranks, but we won't lay that all on you because we don't want to confuse you yet. But all of that to say, William Booth, the guy whose silhouette is on the back wall there with the saying, or General William Booth, as he's called in the Salvation Army, recognized something back when we were first created. He understood that as Christians, we are at war against the sin in the world, and that in order to fight it, it was going to take an army. And from there, it evolved and developed until where they wear uniforms so that they could be set apart and stand out as an example, as a beacon for the areas and neighbors that they would find themselves in, like a lighthouse. And that charge to go forth is something the Salvation Army has been carrying out in over 126 countries in many different languages. But you don't have to be a member of the Salvation Army to follow through with that charge. 
because it's a charge that's given to each and every one of us who believe to go forth. I seen a video this morning on Facebook. And I'm a sympathetic crier. Anyone ever know what that means? It means the moment you see someone else crying, you may not even really know why they're crying, but you start crying too. That's me. And so there was this telling of a story of a lady who comes through a drive through And she's just having a really rough time. It's the anniversary of her husband's death. And so she's bawling as she's ordering her cup of coffee through this drive through chain. And incidentally enough, it was run by a bunch of teenage boys. Now, this is where the story gets a little different than where you may think it goes. When she pulls up to the window, the boys gather around, reach their hands out to her, and pray for her. Teenage boys who normally can either keep to themselves or do whatever they want in a wide variety of emotions recognize the hurting and went about the healing. They said that the manager of that particular coffee chain was looking and she realized at first that it was her coffee chain and she goes, oh, I'm so glad that we do that. That's so great. And then as she got to looking, she realized it was her employees and she was like, well, that is just amazing. We've been called to go forth. We've been given a mission, a charge. I want us to look at another scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Honestly, you don't have to be a soldier in the Salvation Army to be a soldier in this war. Ephesians 6.12 even tells us our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. That's a war. And anyone who fights in a war is a soldier. And like any good soldier in any good army, there's things we've got to do. Because if you send troops out unprepared and they don't know what they're getting themselves into, what happens? Nothing good, right? And so before we spend the rest of this month looking at what it means to go forth and live your life in action, we want to spend this week preparing you for what that's going to look like. Because we're not going to send you as soldiers into a war and tell you to figure it out when you get there. So 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verses 1 through 7 says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses 
Commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to play, please the recruiter. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes against according to the rules. The hard-working farmer ought to be the first to get the share of the crops. So consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. One of the first things he talks about is to be strong. That's important. John Stott writes that soldiers on active service are not expect, do not expect to be safe, nor do they expect an easy time. They take hardship, risk, and suffering as a matter of course. And so the first thing any good soldier must do to prepare ourselves is to be strong. Train ourselves to be strong. It says it. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, a little history lesson and a little language lesson for you. The word strong in Greek here means to be strengthened inwardly. It's not talking about start lifting weights or do PX90 or whatever is the latest exercise craze. People say it all the time. It's what insides that counts. This is what this is saying. It is what's inside that counts. Strengthen your faith. Strengthen who you are. And recognize where that strength is coming from. There's a story of a woodpecker who flies and goes at an old, large oak tree amidst a great forest. And he's just there picking away and picking away. Peck, 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 peck. And as he flies away, a lightning bolt strikes the tree. <laughs> the large tree splits in half. What do you think the woodpecker thought? He looks at the other animals and he goes, <laughs> Look what I've done! One of the keys to developing our inward strength is to remember and to learn that thankfully that inward strength is not something we have to provide. The inward strength is by the power of God. One of the most quoted verses that even people who don't believe know is Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, this is also not a verse where if you are trying to set a world record for free weight lifting, this verse does not mean that. That does not mean that you will be supernaturally granted the power to set that world record. What it does mean is that whatever storm you're faced with, whatever life throws your way, whatever craziness you get exposed to, you don't have to face it alone and you don't have to overcome it alone. 
because you are not alone. And if you think that you are not strong enough, you want to know what the problem is? You! Because it's not your strength that matters. To be strengthened by the grace of God. To understand that. To understand that our power comes from him who is able to move mountains. And he tells us that if we believe, if our faith is strong enough, we could say to that mountain to move here from there. And what would happen? It would move. And so remember that our strength is not something that comes on our own. It comes through Christ. It's not something we get and it's not something the world can give us. How many of you guys have ever heard of a praise and worship singer called Carmen? Anybody? That's going way back. I grew up listening to him. Anybody remember Carmen? I don't even know his last name. I'm pretty sure he had one. I remember a song he sang. And there's this one line in it. And he's kind of introducing somebody. He's introducing Jesus. But he talks about the power of the person he's introducing, the Messiah. And he points out that it's not Muhammad Krishna or any other God that has succumbed to death. But Christ, who overcame the grave. That's the kind of strength that we can call upon. That's the kind of strength. When we say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We, we talk about being able to use the power of God. When we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and we claim his power for our own, then there is nothing, whatever storm may come our way, that we can't get through and overcome through his help. And so we develop our strength through him who strengthens us, right? And the next step, as it said in verse 2, was that it's not enough to rely on even our own strength. We train others up. That's why we have, as officers, we have soldiers. We have junior soldiers. We're creating a legacy, a chain of leaders. And sadly, that's where the world as Christians are failing now. We're failing to train up those who would follow behind us. We're not called to hide away and set ourselves apart to the point where we live in a disaster shelter just awaiting the coming of the Lord we're called to go forth now we're going to make you guys do some math are you guys ready 
It's also a word problem, so if you get lost, I'll slow it back down. Here you go. If one person wins two people, and those two people win two more people, and so on and so forth for at least 10 times, how many people do you have? A <laughs> lot. We got some counting on fingers. 1,024. Now, look around. How many are here today? Is it 1,024? Just say no, you don't have to continue counting. <laughs> but imagine, if you will, if you, as one person, went out and talked to somebody. If you went out and talked to two people. The spark that would unite and cause an explosion. Train up others so that they could follow behind. Even if we simply train somebody to take our job eventually, then at least we're making sure we're not leaving it empty. Because if we don't, then who's going to ensure the future? What would happen if one day we're just suddenly not there? D.L. Moody says, it's better to train 10 people than to do the work of 10 people. He also said that that part is actually harder, though. It may be harder to find 10 people to do the job of 10 people, and so one person does jobs. But if we become more intentional about sharing the gospel, about not biting our tongues, because society says we should, then imagine the change we could spark in the world. We're called to be trained and strong to help others and train them. And finally, to be faithful and focused. To not let ourselves become distracted. Verse 3 talked about staying faithful. Now, this is Second Timothy. You guys know who was writing this? Paul. Now, if anybody could understand the dangers of becoming distracted because life happens, it would be Paul. I mean, because life threw him some pretty hard curveballs. But he's telling Timothy, you know what? Hey, you've got to stay focused. You can't allow yourself to become distracted. And you've got to stay faithful. <laughs> it's easier to quit than it is to stick it out. 
it's easier to say this is too hard we just had the Olympics and there was a certain gymnast that if you ever watched her close enough every time they closed up to her face she would say something right before she began whatever exercise apparatus she was on you know what she would say I got this and then she would proceed to do gravity-defying stunts do you know what that attitude got her a gold medal she persevered she stuck through and she kept herself focused the training was there she had been training for years all she needed to do was be focused and know that her training will see her through know that her strength would be there the same goes for us we have to stay focused rely on our training and the strength that comes from him who can do so much more than we can even imagine now it's not going to be super easy if you're like me I joked earlier about phone ring-ins I do have a little ADD so if your phone rang there is actually a very good chance I would have lost whatever we were saying but when it comes to what we're doing when it comes to serving the Lord sadly too many of us suffer from spiritual attention deficit disorder we allow ourselves to become so distracted by the things of the world and what's happening around us that our faith gets shaken and we begin to think our strength is not enough when we become Christians that doesn't mean that life is perfect from there on out in fact it probably means that you're going to anticipate and run into more problems than you probably had before you knew Christ because the devil isn't happy when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing for God and where you're where God wants you to be And he is the master of distracting people. That's how he got Eve. He's the father of all lies. He can distract you if you allow him. We need to be more like Jesus, though. Because when the devil tempted him, he tried to distract him. But Jesus was ready. Jesus remained focused. We're not allowed to make up our own rules, too. God has given us instructions, and that's what we're to remain focused on. His word 
It's, there's a reason it's often referred to as an instruction manual, right? If you are having trouble putting together the crazy pieces of your life, and your life is starting to resemble an IKEA bookshelf, those things come with instructions, and so do our lives. It wouldn't hurt to read it before we try to figure it out on our own. And so, let us realize where our strength comes from. And let us train ourselves to become stronger. Stronger in our faith and stronger in God. Let us recognize the importance of training others to follow behind us, to come along beside us. And Lord, help us remain focused and faithful. Not distracted by whatever the world tries to throw at us. Because it too will try to throw us some curveballs. But let us keep focused. And so the question is, are you ready to go to the battle? Are you ready to not just train yourselves, but to help build up and train others? Are you ready to enlist in a battle and to live up to the challenge to go forth? To live your faith aloud and to put it into action. We're going to spend the next few weeks looking at what that faith means to live it out loud. But first you have to make a decision, a commitment. You have to accept the challenge. To not just listen to it. To not just learn about it. But to actually do it. To put into action what you know. To put into action what you've learned. We're going to take a time in prayer. As you take this time to decide if that's a commitment you're willing to make. It starts with accepting Christ. As your Savior. And if you haven't even done that yet. There's no time like the present. Because his strength can help you through whatever life throws at you. And so, as the song plays, take this time in prayer to make it a commitment. And we're going to listen to that song that we sang earlier.